question. Has your get up and go got up and went? This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome to the Wednesday edition of Truth to Ponder. And I'm your host, Bob Bierman. Well, has your get up and go got up and went? I've been hearing a lot of people say that. And I know that Jim Calhoun has heard a lot of people say that. I know even Jim Calhoun has shared that he feels that at at times. Is there something going on? Is there some change that's just draining people's energy and drive to do certain things? I know Jim Calhoun is going to address that. And a lot of down-on-the-farm wisdom today in the program that I think is going to be outstanding and you need to hear. But I want to take just a few minutes at the beginning of the program. Number one, I want to thank you for your continued prayer. Still, still trying to get stronger, doing a little bit better every day. I just don't know from, from one day to the next how I'm going to feel. But I am looking forward to January, that final surgery and a treatment to try to get ahead of this. This problem, for those that are new listeners, I'm dealing with with actual bladder cancer, but thankfully caught extremely early. So I do have many years left, God willing. Problem is, it has taken a lot out of me um, all this time that it's been developing, and they think it may have been developing for many, many years. And when you get some blood loss, which occurs when you have these tumors that are breaking from time to time, and this has been going on for a while, but it's been getting worse as it would normally do. And so there's some days that my get up and go is got up and left. And and if I get through a radio program, if I can get it edited, I'm, I'm done for the day on many days. But I'm called to this ministry. And I'm called to do the things that I need to do. And I'm going to keep doing them as long as I am able. I had a wonderful email correspondence. I mentioned it yesterday. I'll talk more about it maybe tomorrow, most likely even on Friday. There is ministry opportunity. And I I know it's not easy in this day and age between inflation and, and all the things that are just weird in our nation and weird in Canada, weird in the entire Western world. Let's just say the entire world. It's hard. And it's hard. Yet I want to still explore those opportunities that God gives me because I want to hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Now I ran across a story I want to share here at the beginning of the program, and we'll get into this maybe more later this week. According to a magazine report called Accountancy Today, they figure that in the United Kingdom, that about a half a million jobs are set to disappear in just the finance industry by 2030. Between automation and technical changes, including robots of one sort or another, it'll destroy a half a million jobs in banking and finance. And this is going to happen all over the world, everywhere. Banks, well, they plan on getting rid of cash, so you don't even need a teller anymore. Why would you need a teller in a bank if you're not dealing with cash or even checks? And everything goes to a digital currency. 
Do you see what's happening? Put in a digital currency, you knock out jobs and government, and a handful control the money you have and the money you spend. Now, something that happened at the beginning of COVID in 2020, a lot of people started staying home. Remember, stay home, be safe. Remember that nonsense? Be safe, stay at home, stay home, don't go anywhere. Don't even go out jogging. It may kill somebody if you're outdoors. The foolishness, the stupidity, and the lies. And I pray, I pray that those that did the things that they did will be held accountable. Places like Walmart here in the United States and and whatever major shopping stores you have where you are, A lot of them are using automated cashiers or checkouts where you have to scan your item and the only employee left at the moment is the one kind of scanning you as you go out saying, let me see your receipt. As one guy said, you know, why do you need to scan my receipt if you're not going to check me out? If you're not going to trust me to check myself out, I'm not playing your game anymore. But that's where we are. So you're, and a lot of people just don't want to work. I I see restaurants and all kinds of places that have help wanted signs. And some places even have to cut back on their hours because of lack of staff. Something has happened in these last couple of years that tire people out. I know my wife and I earlier this year started sneezing one day, felt lousy, coughing, sneezing the whole nine yards we recuperated rather quickly from that. And then we were exhausted for several weeks. And I've mentioned this before. I would get up in the morning to do this radio program, have some breakfast, and by the time I got done, I was done for the day, or at least for a long time. Eat some lunch, and my wife and I both were so tired. We would literally have to go to our bedroom, lay down, and go to sleep. And we got up just in enough time to have dinner and watch some TV and go back to bed. We were sleeping 12 to 18 hours a day, and we felt just completely drained. It took a long time to get my strength back, but I, I still feel there's some something going on. I, I just... There's so many ministry opportunities, so many things I used to work on, websites and everything else. I just can't seem to get things done. And I know Jim Calhoun has is, is shared that same experience. We also are facing inflation. And I think the numbers that they try to give us in terms of inflation are phony as can be. Yeah, they're trying to say a persistent 7%. I think it's a lot worse than a persistent There's some items that are still somewhat reasonable, but many others that are not. So between climate change, COVID, transgenderism, exhaustion, just being beaten down, worn out, fed up, how do we survive? How do we survive in times like these? Well, number one, 
I'm going to make this suggestion and add to this because I know Jim is going to be covering. Jim Calhoun will be coming to the microphone in a minute to talk more about this. But in all these kind of issues that we face today, in everything we're seeing and doing, we must put our hope and our trust and our investments in things that are greater than this life and this earth. Remember, we are but strangers here. Heaven is our home. And I think too many people are so engaged in the world, they forget that we are in this world and not of this world. Maybe we're spending too much time trying to fix things that can't be fixed. Maybe we need to spend more time sharing some good news that needs to be shared. We do what we have to do. We be good citizens. And we work hard until Jesus comes. Now here is Jim Calhoun with today's radio program. Thanks, Bob. And as usual, it's great to be back on Truth to Ponder. Well, I tell you, I have kind of an interesting show lined up for you today. I'm going to be talking about a simple word called attitude. And really, if you look at life in general, your attitude is going to have more to do with your failure or success than anything else. It doesn't matter how much money that you put into a project or how much education you have. If your attitude is wrong, well, you're going to fail. And the reason I'm bringing this up is not because I think everyone out there has a bad attitude. Just quite the opposite. I think most people have a good attitude. I'm noticing something as I study and research to put on this show is that ever since 2020, I've had COVID twice, and I was hoping I'd have natural immunity, but I know I've had it twice, and both times it was not fun. And I was in my workshop today, and I was looking at all the projects that I had started and everything that you could see that there was a constant turnaround of items I was fixing or repairing or building. But I looked real close and I asked myself, how much motion has happened in my workshop since basically June of 2021? And I have to be honest, very little. Now, I've started broadcasting since then, and that does take up some time. But if I would use that as an excuse, I would count that as having a bad attitude because it doesn't take up that much time that I should not be getting some of my work done. And then I remembered a letter that I got about a year ago from someone who made a comment about a comment that I made is that it's really hard to get my attitude right for me to roll up my sleeves and just hit it as hard as I used to. And this gentleman wrote me a letter, and he said, Thank God someone else feels like I do. Ever since the COVID lockdowns and all this craziness started, that their want to has diminished. And I really didn't realize that my want to has obviously diminished because I'm not getting near the work done. And I can see that the passion for me to actually accomplish things, that's lacking too not that it's all the way gone. It's just not at the right level. And so I started looking at other things in my life. And I started noticing that I was cutting corners here and fudging a little bit there. 
And so, honestly, I've concluded that my attitude is the one that needs to be adjusted. And I'm not looking for excuses, but I am looking for answers. Because anyone that knows me or has known me for any amount of time knows that I have a very great work ethic normally. And normally, I strive to get many things done. Because I normally have to, because I have so many things going on. And for me to have a backlog of things that I feel should have been done for a year or even more is very unsettling to me. So I did some soul searching and I figured out that I am using some things for excuses. But ever since I had COVID the first time, that's when I can honestly say that my get up and go got up and went. And I can date all of my projects that are waiting for me back to the month where I first caught COVID. And I find that to be very interesting. Now, again, I'm not going to use that as a cop-out, but I'm wondering if there isn't something in this virus that doesn't take away some of your will or some of your desire. Because it seemed like when I finally was getting things going again, and I started feeling good about things and getting ambitious, I caught COVID again. And I've got to be honest, I'm having a very hard time getting myself back into a rhythm. And usually I can find a rhythm or a groove and just hit it and stay in that groove and just accomplish many, many things. And so I finally have realized that it is me, and it is me not being in rhythm or me being out of sync, however you want to say it. But I have to ask myself, why am I this way? What has happened in my life that would derail me right at the time that I got COVID the first time? And looking back at that time is absolutely nothing. Now, I've had my ups and downs since then, but I can clearly state and be very factual that all of my problems, if you want to call them that, with my attitude, if you want to call this an attitude problem, started at the time where I first got COVID and got so sick. And I'm wondering if there's others out there that feel the same way that I do, that everything was going okay until they got COVID, and then getting back into sync just isn't happening. And I wonder what it is with that, because I've never experienced any illness or disease that ever had that effect on me. And again, going back to the letter that I got from the listener that agreed with me back over a year ago that it did take the will to accomplish things away, and that really came back to me today as I had to go into my workshop and I'm doing a brake job on a car. And I went in the line of cars that I have that have been waiting for me And I ask myself, when's the last time I picked up a wrench on this car? When's the last time I did anything on this other one? And I looked at how close I am at three cars that normally I'm so close that I wouldn't stop on them until I had them on the road. Because I've worked really hard and got them road ready and ready to go, all but one or two minor things. But yet, there they sit. And so now that I've identified the problem, that something must have happened inside of me mentally with the COVID that now I can address it. And so I've hung some calendars on the wall 
and I'm writing down some goals as far as dates and and trying to get back to my old self of getting out of bed, being a self-starter, jumping into things with both feet and getting a ton done and then every night going to bed satisfied that I got a whole lot done and looking forward to the next day. Now, with the broadcasting, I can say that I do have those feelings because I get up and the first thing I think of is what I need to do with the broadcasting for that day. And with my new system, this show is now being recorded on the day that I have chosen to instead of letting situations bounce me around. And I've also got my other two shows that I do each week. They're already recorded. And so I really feel good that I'm getting somewhat of a system, at least there, because what I was doing is I was doing most of my recording over the weekend. And I've changed that to Tuesdays and Wednesdays. And I think that's really going to help me as well. It gives me an extra day or two in case I have a problem. But I really realized that I've been sitting here doing a lot of what I would call brain work or thinking, and I've been working on computer things and helping develop websites and doing things like that. So it's not like I'm sitting here doing nothing. But the physical things that I've always done, the mechanicing and fixing fence and loading hay and doing things like that, I'm just way far behind on all that. And I just wonder if I'm alone, if this is just me having an issue, or whether there's others out there that have been shed on, and that's how I got COVID both times was I happened to be around someone that was recently boosted, and their spike proteins really, really knocked me down. And I know that I did a couple shows about spike proteins that are being shed, and I got an awful lot of emails and letters off of that. And where I pretty well recovered, a lot of people who have written me are facing life-threatening issues because of the shedding. And so I take this shedding extremely seriously because if you had a chance to read my email or read my regular mail from listeners who give me details of how their lives have been ruined by people that shed on them, and I heard just another one two days ago was talking about he was that he made it through all until Thanksgiving. And he found out that most of the people that were at the family function for Thanksgiving were recently boosted. And ever since Thanksgiving, the man has felt like he's going to die. And I really understand that feeling because when I'm around someone that's recently vaccinated or recently boosted, and of course, I don't ask them. I just have to find out later that that's the case because honestly, it's none of my business, anyone's medical records. It just isn't. Now, you might say, well, if they're contagious to you, you should ask them. And you're probably right, but I'm still standing by the principle of it. I don't want them asking me any medical questions, so I'm not going to ask them. But I am going to assume that any new people that I come in contact with have been boosted, or at least percentage-wise, at least 50% of them will have been boosted. Now that they're pushing the COVID shots again, those numbers are likely to go up. And so I hate to say this, but I'm going to avoid people as much as possible. Of course, the ones that I know that aren't vaxxed, I'll still associate with them. But I'm talking about adding new people into my life. Not going to do it. Or old friends that I happen to meet. I'm not going to go shake their hand. I'm going to stay away from people. 
because it is very real. But I'm wondering if there's a deeper thing with this COVID, that it's not only physical and makes you cough your lungs out and attacks your whole system of breathing and also attacks with me anyway. It makes me so dizzy I can't even stand up. And it gives me body aches just like I had professional boxers using me as a heavy bag and punching me until I just, all my ribs are broken. I'm black and blue all over. That's how bad COVID makes me feel. It really does hurt. But I'm wondering now that I've physically have got back, oh, I'd say to 90%, I'm still having some issues breathing, but it's getting a little bit better every day. And I do heat my house with wood. And so I do have every once in a while a puff of smoke. It'll backfeed through the pipe if the wind blows just right or Sometimes when I'm starting the fire up, I'll catch a little puff of smoke. So maybe some of it is that, and I'm willing to consider that. But they say the proof is in the pudding. And if you would look at my projects and then understand how long they've been waiting for me to get back to them, and then if you knew how I normally have always been, you'd have to shake your head and say, what's wrong? And today, it finally really dawned on me that there is something that is not quite clicking as far as my get up and go is gone. Now that I have identified that, let's see if I can get it back. If I put some conscious effort and prayer and consideration that maybe I can get back to my old ways because I'd really love to do that. But I wonder if I'm alone I wonder if there's more people out there that have recovered from this COVID, but mentally they're still having some troubles getting back to normal. Now, if that's the case, I'd like to hear from you. And you could reach me by sending an email to Bob at Bob at truthtoponder.com, Bob at truth, the number two ponder.com, and ask Bob to forward that message to me. Because I'm really doing some research and trying to study what this COVID really is. Because really, we've been kept in the dark so much that who knows what this COVID really is. Or why it was developed in a lab. Why it was turned loose on the population. And I've speculated that I think that it's a depopulation event. That they're trying to sterilize mankind or outright kill mankind all over the planet. And I still feel that way. But I'm wondering if there isn't something about the spike proteins that actually can go in and affect you mentally. And I really don't hear too much about that. Now, someone like Stu Peters and people like that, they do talk about different things they find in the vaccines and the effects. But as far as picking them up by someone shedding on you, and then they shed the spike protein and somehow your body absorbs that, I haven't heard anyone talk about the mental and physical aspects of really what happens in that event. So I'm really curious. Now, if I don't hear from anybody, well, then I know that it's just me and it's something I have to work through. And also, maybe I am using COVID as an excuse. Now, I hope that I'm not because I generally don't use anything as an excuse because I think the buck does stop with me with everything in my life. And so if I do something stupid or wrong, well, I own that because I'm the one that did it. And likewise, if I'm doing something or not doing it, it's because I'm either doing it or not doing it, and I'm conscious of it. And now that I'm fully awake to what I perceive as 
possibly my attitude has been changed a little bit. Now I know that I can change it back. But I'm still going to expound on attitude for the rest of this half of Truth to Ponder. It doesn't matter what we're doing in life. If we have a good attitude, we're going to get better results than if we have a poor attitude. I've been watching some things online of different people with restaurants and so forth that are trying different things. And I'm noticing that the reason that some of these restaurants are failing is because of the poor attitude of the owner or the management or the staff, that they always have one or two or more people that have poor attitudes that really don't want to be there. They only go to work just to get a check. They have no passion for their job. They have no love for their fellow employees or their employer. And so they show up with a toxic type of an attitude. And that's something that we need to not fall into that trap, is getting a toxic attitude. Now, we all have known people that, let's say that they're in the service industry, that we've been waited on by these people, and they've had a sour attitude and has not been pleasant, that we've met up with the same person in a different business after they were let go from that business. And that person served you in a whole different atmosphere, whole different business. But yet that same person has that same attitude. And they bring that attitude with them from one job to the next. And they probably wonder why they can't keep a job. And so if you find that your attitude is getting in your way of getting where you want to be, whether it be a relationship with God or a relationship with people, if your attitude is coming in the way and stopping that, well, then you need to take stock of what you're doing and need to come up with a game plan, get things all changed and back to where your attitude is just right for the job or whatever occasion it is. If your attitude is that you're probably going to fail before you start something, I can guarantee you that you're going to fail. If your attitude is that you're probably going to win when you start something, the chances that you're going to win are greater it doesn't mean that you're going to think yourself into winning something or accomplishing something. But if you do have a never give up attitude and you have excellence and you strive for the completion of each goal and keep your attitude right, well, the chances are really good that you are going to be successful. And that also goes with your walk with Christ. If you have an attitude that, that you're a child of God, and God is going to bail you out in any situation, and you can be just as awful as you could possibly be and just tell God you're sorry and repent, then you can use that as your, let's say, get out of jail card, for lack of a better thing to say. And so I really think that you need to rethink that and have a positive attitude, a positive attitude of service, a positive attitude of worship and reverence, and if we have a positive attitude towards our Creator and a positive attitude towards our direction and how we approach our Creator as far as prayer and our thoughts and everything else, we're going to have a much better walk with God because we're going to be able to free ourselves up enough to listen. And I've talked to several people that say, well, God's never talked to me. Well, I imagine that God has talked to them. They just have not had the right attitude to where they've been able to listen. And I suspect that there are people that are really in tune more than others 
that they can really feel God's presence at times when others very rarely feel God's presence. And maybe that's by God's design. I don't know. But I do know that if we have a positive, expected attitude as far as our relationship with God and our ability to hear from God and also an expectant attitude and a very positive attitude during our times of prayer, and we keep a positive attitude about our health and about our finances and everything else that's going on, I think that we're much healthier. Now, it's very easy to get depressed to look at the news or read something or hear something through the grapevine of everything falling apart. And there's really not a lot we can do worldwide with a lot of this. And one thing that's a theme that I use quite a bit in Truth to Ponder is self-control and self-determination. But we do have the ability to control our attitude. And if we can control our attitude in a very positive way, we can turn that into many positive things. And as I try to turn my attitude around as far as, I don't know whether to call it a work ethic attitude, I don't know exactly what I'm going to label what I feel that my attitude needs as far as an adjustment, because I'm anything but lazy, and I don't just lay around and do nothing. That's just not me. But yet, if you look at my work output over the last year and a half, you could probably say that anyone that knows me would probably say, well, there's got to be an issue, an attitude or something. Something has to be happening. And so again, if the vaccine or someone shedding on you has affected you in a negative way, and I'm talking about your attitude, please give me an email. And again, email to bob at truthtoponder.com and he'll forward that to me. And on the other side of the break, I'll be right back and pick up where I left off. And thank you, Jim. And Jim, we'll be right back on the other side of our break. Hard to believe that in 10 days, it's going to be Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve. And it won't be but a week or so after that. We're looking right at the end of the year of 2022. I can't believe how this year has just flown by. And how many things did get accomplished in spite of all the obstacles, all the challenges that we have seen since the beginning of 2021, let alone since the beginning of 2020. I was thinking just the other day, it was literally three years ago, 2019, getting getting ready for Christmas. My wife and I were, we were in, in Georgia, enjoying some time there getting ready for Christmas and then our return to Florida to spend the remainder of the winter and do some work with the shortwave radio station that this program is heard on. But also we had planned on having an event with our church denomination. It was going to be a very special time and that was going to be coming up in early 2020 in February. And so we were going to try to get back as quick as we could right after Christmas to give us January into the middle of February to get everything everything done to be prepared for just a wonderful time of fellowship 
and making some strategic plans for planning churches. Well, all of you know the rest of the story. We started hearing words about some kind of virus in China or something, and it didn't didn't register too much in January. Just a report here, a report there. And we're still going on making plans. Now, even in January because of and February, because I still had connections and friends in emergency management, I was beginning to get some rumblings that this could be a big deal. Didn't know how big of a deal. And then, of course, in February, I was asked to consider coming out of retirement if needed. I agreed. And then our... Our meeting had to be canceled, not because of COVID, but because of unusual weather. A lot of winter weather canceled travel plans for many. And we planned to try it again, maybe in April. But then the pandemic hit. And you know the rest of the story. 2020 was a challenging year. And it was during that spring and summer after I left that emergency management work and realized it was something terribly wrong with so much of what we we were hearing that this program Truth to Ponder was born I'll admit today I'm just exhausted It's it's been a tough week but a good week none of it is unexpected and things will get better so first I'm going to ask you a couple of things would you keep me in your prayers that I can have the strength to daily do this radio program, that all these other things that my heart tells me I need to be doing will get done. I don't need excuses. I need the power of prayer to undergird me. And would you consider supporting this radio ministry? If you would, would you make a check payable to Ancient Word Radio? Ancient Word Radio. The mailing address is Post Office Box 510. Post Office Box 510. The city is Chilhowee, C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E, Chilhowee, Virginia. Chilhowee means Valley of Many Deer, Chilhowee, Virginia, C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E, Chilhowee, Virginia, 24319. That's 24319. By the way, you can support us from the website as well. We use Give, Send, Go, a Christian crowdsource funding organization, which I think the world of. And we will be right back. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. Something very strange about Hanukkah. Shalom Aleichem. This is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now, there's only one place in the entire Bible where Hanukkah is celebrated. Do you know where it is? I'll give you a hint. It's not in the Old Testament. There's only one place in the entire Bible where Hanukkah is celebrated. Where is it? It's in the New Testament. That's right, the New Testament. Wait a minute, the New Testament's Christian, not Jewish. Wrong. The New Testament is Jewish, and it's about the Christ or Messiah. So where do you find Hanukkah? Write this down and tell your friends. It's John 10, verse 22. Then came the Feast of Dedication at Jerusalem. You could miss it. But there it is. The word dedication in Hebrew is Hanukkah. 
That's what Hanukkah means in Hebrew, the dedication of the temple in Jerusalem. It says it was wintertime and Yeshua, Jesus, was in the temple. Hanukkah is always in the winter and the Lord was there because of it. So it's true. The one who is celebrated every year at Christmas himself celebrated Hanukkah. At Hanukkah, the temple and all Jerusalem would be lit up with lights and torches and candles and the lights of the festival. And Yeshua stood in the temple courts and began to give his Hanukkah message. They asked him, who are you? Though he told them before, that day he didn't say it. He didn't have to. It was obvious. He stood in the midst of all the torches and oil lamps and lights. It was Hanukkah, the festival of lights. Who is he? Well, the answer is obvious. The Or HaOlam, he is the light of the world. The light that bears witness of God. Messiah celebrated Hanukkah not just by lighting a light, but by simply being the light. You want to follow him? then you have to celebrate Hanukkah, just as he did. Wherever you are, bear witness to God's truth, God's love, and God's glory. And let your life become a sacred candle and a blazing torch and a light of the world. Want more? Ask for the Christmas Hanukkah connection. Now, feeling like your walk with God could use a real spiritual boost? We got the answer. A free subscription to Sapphire's warning. Use this directed. It can revolutionize your walk for victory. And the incredible, the mystery, the temple doors, all free. You'll love it. How do you get all this? Easy. Just remember Jesus' Hebrew name, Yeshua, and dial it. That's it. Just dial 1-800-YESHUA-1. It's so easy. But call now. 1-800-YESHUA-1. Now, I invite you to minister with me in two of the most exciting ministries, to beam the word of life around the earth by shortwave radio to every tribe and tongue and to Israel, the Jewish people, those who gave it to you. Just call now, 1-800-YESHUA-1. That's Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. Or write me direct, the nice Jewish boy at box 1111, Lodi, New Jersey, 07644. It's a nice Jewish boy. It's box 1111 in Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, and the zip 07644. Well, till next time, this is Jonathan Kahn saying, Shalom Aleichem, peace be to you, my friend, in Messiah or Lagoim, the light of the nations. This is Truth to Ponder. With Bob Bierman. Welcome back to part two of Truth to Ponder. I'm Jim Calhoun sitting in today for Bob Bierman. And Bob will be back tomorrow with another great episode of Truth to Ponder. Well, I'm going to move on to other things. And I'm going to talk about financial things on this part of the show. Right now, I know that I'm feeling a financial pinch. And I think almost everyone else is as well. The things that I used to buy for 89 cents five years ago are now over $5. The things that I bought for $2 five years ago are about 7 to $8. And so our money is getting more worthless every day. And I noticed that there are lots of things as far as in the grocery stores that they're still trying to sell what I call the upper end of the grocery lines, which would be your name brand foods. And they're emphasizing the store brands or the cheaper brands much less. And I think it's probably profit margin. But I'm noticing that people are not putting the brand names in their carts. They're seeking out some of the off brands or some of the store brands. And the stores that I shop in are pretty small. And so they have a complete line of national brands and name brands, but their store brands are pretty spotty. 
and I'm going to use soup as an example. They probably have every kind of soup imaginable in the big brand name, but only maybe 25% of that same type of variety in their lesser known or house brands. And so what I've decided to do, since I do shop small, and I highly recommend people do shop small, and if you can talk to the owner of the grocery store and ask the grocery store owner to get you in some of the more generic or cheaper items, I would imagine that if you have a good grocer, he will start ordering those in for you. And so that's what I started doing. And I brought my grocery bill down not that I have to have brand names because I've never really been a brand name shopper, but I have brought my grocery bill down about 20%. And in this day and age, I think that's a really nice percentage to try to bring your bill down. And there are other ways to bring your grocery bill down as well. And anyone that's what I would consider a professional buyer, people that really know how to spend money and know how to buy right, they already do this and they've done this their whole life. But avoid the small packages. Buy in bulk. If you're going to buy dry beans and you're lucky enough that your store has a barrel of dried beans and a scoop and you scoop your own, you can save some money. Now, I know that there's few and far between as far as places that have a lot of dry goods out that you can self-serve like that. But if you have one of those in your area, that would be a good place to start. And also with pasta and rice and beans, if you can buy it in 50-pound bags or 40-pound bags, then I think that you're money ahead. Now, you're going to be spending more money, but you're going to get so much more food. And remember that dried food, once you hydrate it, is three times the volume. So if you have, let's say, a gallon of beans, once you cook them, you now have three gallons of beans. And so you have a great value for your dollar when you buy things that are dried, like dried beans and pasta and rice, that you get more bang for your buck. And also avoid the prepackaged meals, the TV dinner type things, and the throw them in the microwave type of a meal, frozen pizza, things like that. Even though that you might use it once in a while because it is handy, you have to understand that you are paying for that convenience. And on the trip that I just finished taking, I stopped at two places for fast food hamburgers, and I stopped at places that I remembered that I really liked their hamburgers. Well, I haven't been out for a fast food hamburger for over two years, and so while I used to have them all the time, I've been just eating my own hamburgers that I make myself for the last two years. I've always thought you get sick of your own cooking, and I think I do get sick of my own cooking. But I noticed that my hamburgers that I made are head and shoulders better than what I bought at the fast food place. And that really surprised me because I was looking forward to one of my favorite double cheeseburgers and I bit into it and the meat was dry and the cheese was cold and it just was bland. And I thought, wow, I used to like this. And I know they didn't change the recipe. And so I know that my tastes have changed. And the reason I'm telling you this is If you just keep doing the same thing over and over just because that's what you've always done, it's going to cost you money. Now, I would have been much better off had I pre-made some hamburger patties and then warmed my own hamburger patties up and fixed my own. I would have had much better meat, much better sandwich all the way around. 
And so if you can cook at all, instead of buying your dinner out at a restaurant, you can pack your lunch. There are so many things that you can do to save a dollar. And why am I talking about this, this part of the show? Well, it's because of all the lies and disinformation that the mainstream media is giving us about this great economy. And also, I think that illegitimate Joe has been crowing like an old rooster that he thinks that he's turned the economy around. Where in reality, if you do the numbers and see what's happening with all of the goods that are coming from China, that the whole importation of goods to this country is way down because people can't afford to buy them. And so the shipping industry is going to start either hurting or raising their prices because they're not making the money that they normally would make because their ships are not going out to sea full of products. And the jobs report for this last reporting section was like 200,000 jobs created. And they were saying, oh, yes, the economy's back. We got 200,000 new jobs or a little more than 200,000. And I just shook my head. Take that and divide it by 50, as in 50 states. Let's say it's 25,000 jobs divided by 50. Well, that's not very many jobs per state. And then ask yourself, what time of year is it? Well, it's Christmas time. What happens every Christmas time? They bring in extra people for stores and extra people for gift wrapping and what have you. So jobs are always created by the holidays. And to only have that many jobs created nationwide at holiday season is a travesty. It's nothing to be crowing about. And that would mean that most of these jobs are short-term and also not high-paying jobs or skilled labor. And so those people will be the first ones to be laid off in January. And I'm noticing that some of the big money people are telling their clients to be more frugal with their money. And I know the housing market is starting to lose lots of steam. And everywhere you look, there are problems with the economy. Now, with these electric vehicles that they're pushing on everyone, they're finding out that extreme cold weather cuts their range that they can go on a charge of electricity almost in half. And so you have people that are investing very high dollars into automobiles that there's a good possibility that they're not going to be able to use in the winter, at least effectively. I've been hearing stories about Teslas that have a gasoline-powered generator in the trunk and so they can charge their car with a gasoline generator that they get from some box store. And just a word of caution, if you're one of those, I doubt that those cars really appreciate square wave type of charging system because they have such sensitive electronics all the way through the car. And while the manufacturer might not have a problem with you hooking in a generator and charging your battery with square wave electricity, my gut hunch tells me that that's the wrong thing to do and always use very good, clean, high-grade, pure sine wave electricity while you're charging your car. And so you don't need to know all of the mechanics of that other than if it's from a generator and it's not a pure sine wave, don't hook your car up to it. But I think that we have things that are being pushed at us and mandated at us that we're going to have to all have electric cars and just on and on and on. And everything is pointing towards chaos and failure 
And you could not give me one of these electric cars. I'm sorry. I just, being out here where I live, I have to be able to put gas in the tank and keep moving. And I'm noticing that they're starting to build some charging stations for the electric cars. But I have never seen a car parked charging. So I don't know how many electric cars are actually in my neck of the woods. And if that's what you want to buy, go ahead and buy one. But do not deny the rest of us our vehicles of choice because there's lots of people that make their living with diesel engines and gasoline engines and also the flex fuel as if it be propane or or ethanol or something like that. And it's always better to have options. And if your best option is an electric car and you think you can keep it charged and you can keep it going down the road, well, that's great. More power to you. But all of this mandating the manufacturers to discontinue all of their tried and true internal combustion engines is folly. And it's going to come back and really hurt this country. Do you think that they're going to outlaw gasoline engines in Mexico? Do you think they're going to outlaw gasoline engines and diesel engines in Russia, in China, in Japan? Do you think they're actually going to do that? I don't think they're going to do that. And that's going to be another really, I would say, thorn in our side as far as us trying to compete in the future with all of these other countries. They're not going to be hampered by politicians that are pushing a climate change hoax that are trying to change everyone's lifestyle and trying to change their ability to get around and their ability to do their job. And it's going to tear this country down. Whereas our competitors, they're going to be just humming right along. If we don't have any gas or diesel engines running in this country, that's not going to break the gas or diesel industry as far as selling the fuel. They'll still have a market. They'll have a market in China, in Russia, in Brazil, all over the world. They're going to have large populations of people that are going to use internal combustion engines. And so we have a group of out of control politicians that should not be trying to run anyone's business or run an industry. And that's where you get your oligarchs is you have people that they're somehow mixing corporate and government. And we, the people, are going to suffer for this. And getting back to saving a few dollars with your food, the reason that I was bringing that up is that it's like having a faucet that drips water. It might be just an occasional drip. But if you forget to empty that bucket for a day or two, you'll come back and you'll have a full bucket. And maybe you'll have water on your floor because you didn't empty that bucket. Well, every price increase, whether it be your insurance or gasoline or your food or whatever, every price increase is another drip in that bucket. And it really doesn't take that long for the nickels and dimes and dollars to add up. And then all of a sudden... You have a what I consider a large bill come due, and all of your smaller bills and your daily expenses have eaten into your money supply so much that you have no possibility at all of making that larger payment. And so that is kind of where I'm wanting to bring this show, is to help you to make all these nickels and dimes as far as the ones that are escaping you, to try to keep them in your pocket. Because just like the dripping water representing your money leaving, it also can represent 
you having some money to pay future bills. And in this case, each drop of water is savings instead of something that's going out. So if you can save a dollar here or a penny there, it is going to add up. And I mentioned last show that I shop small and I shop small and shop with the owners and I usually get a much better deal than I could anywhere else. And so I really think that your buying habits are going to have to be at least revisited. And you need to understand that if you can do better, then you need to do so. A good example is a name brand can of beans. And let's say that can of beans is for a dollar and a half. And right beside it is an off-brand or a store-brand can of beans. Exact same weight, exact same type of beans, but it's only 75 cents. Now, if you go ahead and change your buying habits and buy that cheaper one, and then do that with everything that you possibly can do, you'll still have the amount of food that you went to buy, but your bank account is going to have more money in it than if you would buy all the name brand stuff. And that way of thinking needs to be brought full circle with everything you're doing, from cleaning supplies in your house to insurance for your car to any kind of upkeep as far as like snow removal or lawn care or what have you. I'm not saying go out and get the worst you can get, but I'm saying shop around. Try to bring every nickel and dime that is just going through your fingers. Try to keep some of those from leaving your fingers. And you might not be successful at everything. You might have some that you have no alternative. But if you can get a happy medium and get a balance in there, you might have an extra one, two, three, or four hundred dollars, maybe even a thousand dollars at the end of the month that normally, if you didn't change your buying habits, would have just kind of flown away. And I don't trust corporate America and I don't trust the stock market. I just don't trust the people who are in charge of things. Because we've watched for the last couple of years, people in corporate places of power, the technological companies and also the pharmaceutical companies and all these other companies, we've seen what they really think about we the people. When ivermectin was saving people's lives and you had corporate people as far as big pharma and also big medicine, were denying any treatment with ivermectin, knowing that it would work, and ridiculing anyone that suggested that it would work when their own studies several years prior proved that it was effective against coronavirus. And it's these same people that have gotten filthy rich from this COVID experience. And so I don't shop with anyone that used the COVID just debacle, the whole mess, They've used it as a piggy bank. I don't do business with them. I don't buy anything at Amazon. I don't buy anything at Walmart. Any business that was deemed essential by the government, I don't do business with them. You might say, wow, you don't do business with very many people, and you'd be right. I don't. But I really enjoy the people I do business with. But I really don't think there's any way that we, the people, are going to get a handle on this as a group until enough of us start shopping small and enough of us start pinching their pennies and really watching where their money's going and doing everything they can to keep that money in their own bank account or in their pocket, then and only then will our voices actually be heard by these oligarchs and all these tyrants. And so I really do hope that 
during this Christmas shopping season. You know, you can get the gifts that you want to buy somebody, and it can be the high-dollar one if you want it to be. And I'm not saying to give second-rate merchandise or junk to someone you love. I'm not telling you to do that at all. But you can shop around. You can save a dollar here and a dollar there. And I really do feel that we're about to enter a time period to where every dollar needs to be accounted for. And I'm being literal about that. Every dollar. Even if you have a million dollars or more in the bank account, I think that it's very important to watch every single dollar. And we can look at the world economic situation. We can look at the lockdowns that they say are coming back. And also we can look at the aggressiveness that NATO is trying to push Russia into World War III. And it doesn't take a rocket scientist to see that things are broken all the way around us. From supply lines to the educational system to our judicial system to the way most of the governments of the world have become tyrannical. That everywhere you look, it's broken. Broken systems. Broken systems and massive inflation. And so you're trying to navigate and take care of your family with a broken system all the way around you with your money just bleeding out of your pocket. And hopefully I've given someone at least an idea that they do have some control over this inflation and how they can possibly start getting that under control. Now, I know I use very simplistic ideas and simplistic things, but sometimes it's those simple ones that you don't think about. And I really do hope someone got something from this show today. And if I've helped one family, then I've done my job. Because I'm not here for me. I'm here for you. And when I do Truth to Ponder, I'm here for Bob Bierman. Because I really do believe in Truth to Ponder. And I think Truth to Ponder is one of the places where your money, if you donate, is so well spent. Because there's very few on the airwaves that give you what Truth to Ponder gives you. So if you find value in that, and I do know that times are tight, and I do know that people don't have money that they can just throw around, but if you can spare anything at all, your support would be very much appreciated. And you can donate electronically. Go to the website, which is truth2ponder.com, and then you hit the support tab, and that will lead you through how to electronically donate to the show. Or you can send your support with a check or money order, and you would write the check out to Ancient Word Radio, Ancient Word Radio, and you would mail to Truth to Ponder, P.O. Box 510, P.O. Box 510, Chill Howie, C H I L H O W I E, Chill Howie, Virginia, and the zip code is 24319. And again, your donations are very much appreciated. And also, I appreciate you listening today, and I appreciate Bob allowing me to speak to his great audience. And so, until next time, everyone, stay safe, stay hopeful, stay strong. But most important of all, replace fear with faith. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, Truth, the number two. And the word ponder.com. That's truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth to ponder, shining the light of truth.
in a darkening world.